This week, we bought RoboCop for a dollar, and during the transaction asked, could crime ever get this bad? How do you measure overkill? And finally, could RoboCop possibly be the worst cop ever? Dead or alive, you're coming with us on Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hey gang, welcome back to the Force Fed Sci-Fi Show. My name is RoboCop Sean, and my co-host is the voluptuous. I am Chris Rupp, and today we are joined with a special guest, our friend of the show, Mr. Brian McLeod. Say hello, Brian. I'm just amazed that you got my last name right. <laughs> it's actually McLeod. Oh, <laughs> be quiet, you. <laughs> No, his last name is McLeod. I can't believe you got that right, too. That's insatiable. That's pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, the pizza delivery guys always says McLeod, or everybody in the lobby was just saying, huh, Brian McLeod, and I have to correct them. <laughs> anyway, happy to be here. Good, yeah, and you're a listener sometimes, maybe once in a while. If it's a movie that I recognize, yeah. I'll, I'll, pu I'll put on the pod and while I'm sitting in traffic during rush hour. I'll just listen to you guys ramble. Sweet. About Was Jurassic Park, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Was this uh, your first time watching RoboCop? You know, it, it's actually the second time. The first time I watched it, it was on like some DirecTV uh, channel, like Audience or some network mm -hmm. or something like that. And I and but that was a couple years ago. And then this time when I watched it, I watched it, paid attention to it, and noticed a lot of things I didn't notice the first time I watched it. Around this is one of those movies you can't watch on network television. No. It's so gory and graphic. <laughs> there's, so much terrible. there's so much that's edited down. <laughs> uh, it's like every scene has a curse word or some kind of catchphrase. Or someone exploding in blood. Absolutely. It's it's impossible. Every human being is just filled with 500,000 ketchup packets <laughs> in this film. And yeah. lots of cocaine, too. Yes. Oh, my God. The villains were just nuts. So Brian, what else do you uh, about you? Do you enjoy movies? Are you a sci-fi fan? Like, tell us a little brief bio. Well, I do enjoy films. Uh, my favorite film actually is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. I know it's not sci-fi. That's a great film. That's yeah. that's one of my personal favorites as well. Oh my god, it is such a fantastic story. I am obsessed with. I have the book. I also have the play by Dale Wasserman. Uh, I memorize uh, the monologues from uh, the Jack Nicholson film by heart. No Nurse way. Ratched, my favorite villain. It's a classic film, but that's not sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's okay. But my favorite sci-fi films, they include uh, you know, Terminator, Jurassic Park, uh, Star Wars. Sweet. I'm going to Disney World in a few uh, weeks, and uh, Galaxy's Edge just opened up, and I'm really, really excited to check wow. that place out. Wow. Quit bragging. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll brag on some more. Speaking of sci-fi <laughs> and Disney, I was a former cast member at uh, Tower of Terror, which is themed to the Twilight Zone. Wow. Ooh. So do you have any kind of behind-the-scenes insight into how what, what being a cast member is like at Disney? Anything you can tell us, we yeah. should say? <laughs> well, Walt Disney is not frozen. Oh, way to kill the dream. You're right. He is cremated and his ashes is out somewhere in California, Forest Lawn Cemetery. Wherever the cemetery where Michael Jackson's buried at, Walt Disney's over there. Oh, God. No, he's not uh, cryogenically frozen. I was going to say chronologically frozen. His head hasn't been chopped off. In no, the, no, no, oh, no. Under the statue. He, he's, dead. he's dead. Good as dead. One of my uh, favorite family guy 
vignettes was when they unfreeze Walt Disney. Oh, God. And he pops out and says, are the Jews gone? <laughs> oh, God. And he, when they tell him no, he goes, put me back in. <laughs> That's right. He was quite the racist. <laughs> oh, man. And quite the chain smoker, too. That's something that they never told us. Because I remember when I was uh, there, they have this class called uh, Traditions, which is kind of like um, orientation. And it's for orientation. It is just flat out amazing. And it's just beyond... God, it's so over the top. Like they, you sit down in this big conference room, and they're just spoon feeding you propaganda. Now, let me emphasize: even though propaganda <laughs> is bad, this is some pretty good propaganda. Like it's it is Disney propaganda. Oh, yeah, absolutely, it's magical <laughs> to the T. And then you know, some guy in a Mickey Mouse costume comes out, and he's like, "Oh, welcome!" Oh my! Don't tell people Walt Disney smoked. <laughs> Here's your name tag. <laughs> he's like the South Park. I'm not gonna hurt you. Huh? What's this I hear about not wearing the purity rings? Huh? <laughs> so um, you you listed some pretty big um, sci-fi films that you you've enjoyed watching. You know, Jurassic yeah. Park, Star Wars. What what is it about the sci-fi genre, or specifically those films that attract you to watching them? I think it's just the I, fantasy, really, because Star Wars. Um, you know, it's even though it's in the sci-fi realm, there is like a bit of a western theme to it, especially with the first one. Um, and also the fact that it just takes you out, like I think for most films and you know just plays and uh, and YouTube videos and all kinds of media's, if the objection is to suspend reality, even if it's just for like an hour or two, it's amazing. And that's why Star Wars is my favorite film. And in many ways, that's what sci-fi should be all about: suspending reality for just a few, few hours. Ooh, yeah, we, we agree with that. Yeah, it's always nice when we can watch a film in the list that kind of takes us out of mm -hmm. you know how how messed up the world is sometimes right or then we just talk about how messed up the film is and that's pretty entertaining <laughs> too <laughs> well i think uh robocop is definitely kind of walks the line yes. between the uh, the whole escapism quality and the the brutality but also very thankful that i that we are not living in detroit yeah. no, god. oh my god that was so bad i thought it was chicago for some reason then you see the patches i was like good god it was messed up it's set in detroit but filmed in uh dallas texas Oh wow! Wow, that's cool. <laughs> so I'm not that. sure exactly who they're going after, <laughs> right? God, and and we didn't get like a time frame on this film either, right? It wasn't like set in the future, the 2000s, because no. there was no opening title crawl. It just said RoboCop. We no were credits. debating about this before we started recording about when this film actually takes place, and it doesn't even say in the near future or the near distant or whatever doesn't give any sort of year like the cars aren't even like futuristic either if i imagine the, the police cars look pretty normal the most futuristic it's car they used was a 1986 ford taurus that's <laughs> it's almost like they're they've taken dave ramsey's advice and just instead of buying a new car just buy an old beater right and then put a giant metallic man in it's inside. Like, wow, for such a violent society, everybody's financially responsible. <laughs> well, right. you'd think so, but I mean, but now the city of Detroit has gone bankrupt. Yeah, Ooh. well, in some ways, this movie's pretty accurate. Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways. So Epic foreshadowing <laughs> by RoboCop. So yeah, it's Detroit's in the throes of this epic crime wave, and I hesitate using epic, but that's really 
what it is. There's police officers being murdered left and right. I think the one of the opening news segments is talking about over like 25 officers that have been killed. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. That's nuts, man. For any other city, I think they would have called in the National Guard at this point. Yes. I mean, one police officer being killed is an aberration with any, within any sort of like 18-month period. Even in Chicago, we, we don't see police officers being killed at this rate that we see in the film. No. Well, yeah, and we don't hear about it as often. It's usually the inverse of the people being on the other side. Uh, did that like strike you like as... Um differential when watching this because for me it struck me like oh god this is a film about cops like they're taking the consideration of you know them being gunned down whereas like in our current climate not to get political or anything but you know like it seems the inverse in modern times because that kind of took a little adjusting for me at least I, th I think the time when the film was produced and wrote it was just coming out of the 70s where crime was at an epically terrible level even more so than it was now i mean in in new york city alone there was something like 15 murders a day that's not which is unheard of i mean now there's maybe five a day which is still a lot it's yeah it's still a lot but it's nowhere near the levels of crime and brazenness of it that it was in the 70s and i think like my parents i know my parents always talk about the 70s and 80s because they say Sometimes you think this is bad now. <laughs> think about 20, 30, 40 years ago. It was even worse. And sometimes it's just hard to envision that, you know. But with this film, it definitely put that into perspective, at least in my mind. Yeah, it just <laughs> it took those fears and it cranked it up to 11. Yes. <laughs> it was crazy. What did you think about RoboCop as a cop, Brian? How were the police officers in this film? I think RoboCop in the film is probably the best cop that they have in Detroit. What? As for all the other cops, they all sucked. <laughs> so that's this week on who's not doing their job correctly? Well, yes, he's the best <laughs> cop in Detroit, but that's not saying much. We don't see RoboCop do any actual police work. Chris, let's break that down. What does a police work entail? Well, we know people that are police officers. And what, what does that entail? Huh? Most... I would say two-thirds of the job of every police officer is paperwork. Yes. It is loads and loads and loads upon paperwork. We don't see RoboCop fill any sheet of paper once in the film. None. That we know of. Right. While he's uh, probably while he was, you know, resting up, eating that baby food, he's probably filling out some paperwork. He doesn't make any arrests, though. He does, even with the exception of Boddicker, close to the end of the film, he doesn't arrest anybody. That one, that dude he encounters in his first encounter as a in the convenience store, he twists that submachine gun and throws the dude into the freezer window. He doesn't take him away. He just says, thank you for your cooperation and walks out. <laughs> right? I think he totally forgot that the criminal is still there with the gun. Right. He even listed off the directives to his boss. Like, uphold the law. Uphold the law means arresting people, too, you know? Do we, are you saying, then, the only film that possibly embodies the life of a policeman is The Other Guys with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg? It is the only cop film I've seen where they actually <laughs> sit down to do paperwork. <laughs> they do. Oh, my God. And I love that film, too. That would be my recommendation for Thoris <laughs> non-sci-fi recommendation of the week, Other Guys. I cried when I watched that film of Tears of Laughter. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. own it, baby. <laughs> but not to well, get on a tangent. Well, he also has this disregard for due process. Yeah. When he um 
when he runs into that drug warehouse and starts shooting people, where's his warrant? There's none. All he did was interrogate that one dude by grabbing his hair, so he coerced a confession out of a suspect. <laughs> I know, right? So the warrant, so if he got a warrant, it's going to be baseless. And he just walked in and started shooting people. There has to be like some sort of legislation that lets RoboCop just cause as much property damage as possible and, and bypasses all the paperwork in the city of Detroit. It's the superhero legislation. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for being designed solely for police work, he's also programmed with a total disregard for police procedures. Right. I mean, he's got the, 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 the three directives in the fourth one that's a secret until later in the movie. But he's, he clearly doesn't understand that, hey, when you arrest somebody, you've got to fill up paperwork as to why you did it. You can't just go around John Waning everyone and being like, all right, just doing my duty. Well, he also, he's also he's clearly a better solution to that hulking behemoth at 209. Ooh, that, yeah, it can't even go downstairs. Yeah, that's, all, that's, that's solely designed just for massacring people. <laughs> that was so funny. I love it when it, like, wobbles. And can't go down the stairs. And once it's on the stairs, it's throwing a temper tantrum. Yes. It reminded me of the uh, Adat Walkers from Star Wars uh, Empire Strikes Back when it's like wobbling. I'm like, aw. And they used uh, stop motion for that, I believe. Yeah. The, um, the Those effects were created by Phil Tippett, who's a legendary go motion, stop motion animator. Um, the suits uh, were designed by uh, special effects legend Rob Oteen. Oh, my gosh. Who, uh, he created the effects for uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, and those suits, I heard, were, like, hot. Mm-hmm. It was hard for Peter Weller. He's the RoboCop. He lost, I think he had said something between three to five pounds a day just from sweat. So they had to install fans. And initially, he was... He got cast because the other two guys that were supposed to be RoboCop were too big for the suits. They couldn't fit in them. But then Peter Weller had to bulk up because he couldn't even move the suits. It was just... Talk talk about a hell of a pre-production, man. Well, most... uh, Actually, there was a a good portion of the film's meager budget was allocated for the design and creation of the suit. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, $1 million of the film's $13 million budget was allocated to building the suit. Money well spent. It, it looked good, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a great effect. It's still it's one of the better looking effects I think we've seen, practical wise. And mm-hmm. another thing to point out, I had the name here somewhere, but um, the production team hired a movement coach from Juilliard to work with Peter Weller in the production because, keep in mind, yeah, the suit was heavy, but he also has to act like a robot. That's nuts. Yeah, and it. The, whoever the coach was did a fantastic job because in, particularly in the scene where he where uh, RoboCop is going through the data department or whatever or looking up uh, information on the suspects that or the, well not suspects but the people who killed him just the way that he just moves his torso and then he just moves his head it's just so robotic that you know it's just a guy in a suit but it's you you're, for a second you're convinced wow this guy's a robot this is an actual robot well, it speaks to Peter Weller's commitment as an actor, because uh, granted, he hasn't been in too many big things since RoboCop, but everything that, at least that I've seen him in, I have enjoyed him. I mean, he was on 24 and a pretty good run there. He's uh, Admiral Marcus in um, Star Trek Into Darkness, even though it's a remake of The Wrath of Khan. It's still a great movie. And then he's um, uh, Bruce Wayne and uh, Batman in one of my favorite adaptations of the series, The Dark Knight Returns. 
He's fit. There's a nice little RoboCop nod in that fil- in the first film where he he punches through the wall with both of his fists and he grabs the the bad guy through the wall. I know. I was thinking Batman when I saw that's when that moment was when the film became a comic book film for me. I'm like, oh, this is totally. And speaking of RoboCop in other films, what Brian, you brought up something in pre-production that RoboCop was featured in uh, some wrestling or something. Uh, Per, uh, the correction it's professional wrestling thank oh. you oh okay sorry uh, it is a legitimate sport and is absolutely not fake whatsoever <laughs> says do not give me that side eye Chris <laughs> side eye <laughs> oh don't get me wrong I enjoy wrestling as much as the next person but I know it's it's choreographed to the max so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this is regarded as one of the worst moments in professional wrestling history and cross branding is not uncommon but in this uh, instance since I believe it was in the early 90s. So this is like past uh, the original uh, RoboCop. So we're talking like right around RoboCop 2 or 3. But in World Championship Wrestling, there's this uh, pay-per-view event called Capital Combat. And RoboCop made a cameo appearance. So just uh, for those of you who are wrestling fans, uh, listen up. You know this, but if you're not, just bear with me here. I'll just go through this really quick. So there is this faction called the Four Horsemen. And it's not a bunch of jockeys. It's a bunch of tough guys that are just the heels, which is the bad guys in wrestling terms. Wow. They're the bad guys in WCW. Shut up, Sean. Wait, wow. wasn't uh, wasn't Ric Flair in the uh, Ric Flair was in the Four Horsemen. Yeah, the nature boy. Woo! Did he wear, like, a horse helmet? Sean, like- stop speaking. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that would have been interesting. Oh, so we got Four Horsemen, who is the heel faction, and then you have Sting, and not the musician, but the wrestler Sting. Sean, don't make jokes. <laughs> yeah, he came out with the bass guitar and sang Message in a Bottle. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, I'll let Brian do it. <laughs> God, this is a train wreck. I, I'm going to go. I'm gonna... <laughs> no, 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 please finish, please so finish. So Sting comes out, and the Four Horsemen, they, they put him in this cage that just happened to be on the side of the ring. And so Sting is in, locked in the cage, and next thing you know, Peter Weller as RoboCop, full costume and all, committing movement and everything, is slowly walking towards the ring while the announcers are just going, oh my god, it's RoboCop! He's here to save Sting! And it's just, now keep in mind, the stage and the ring, that's quite a bit of a ways. So he, so RoboCop's just taking his sweet time, and you just see, like, the heel faction, four horsemen just standing there, four guys just standing there just waiting. And nothing happens for a while until, basically, RoboCop goes up to the cage, rip, bends the bars, and rips the door right off the cage and releases Sting. And that was the whole segment. And everyone scurries away, right? Everybody scurries away because they were afraid of And that Robocop. killed WCW wrestling. Yes. Yeah. No, that was the Monday Night Wars, but let's not get into that. I, I, I do have to agree with Brian. I have seen it. He sent it to me, and it's, it's, it's about as great as it sounds. He does take his sweet-ass time. I'm like watching this like, wow, is this really happening? Sure enough, he's coming. He's still on his way. He's almost there. He ripped the bar doors off. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> oh, Lord knows what he's going to do to the four horsemen. 
I'm I'm convinced every wrestling announcer who's ever lived is just subsisted on cocaine for decades because there is no way they could be that excited about something that choreographed. Right. Got to sell it. You got to sell it. But yes, that was regarded as one of the worst moments in wrestling history and especially in WCW history. But other otherwise, Capital Combat was a pretty good pay-per-view. All right. Minus that moment. Well, I mean, I like you said, I, it's easy to see how that ruined the repu- that soured the reputation of RoboCop. Because I, I I don't know when it that took place. Either it was after RoboCop two, maybe that was the thing that convinced Peter Weller to stop being RoboCop. <laughs> maybe he just needed a paycheck. Could uh, be. That happened in 1990, so it definitely that was it. Because Peter Weller said adios after the second yeah, RoboCop. Yeah, I think he was done, I, and I can't blame him. I don't blame him either. But you can Google this, and it is it is fantastic. I don't need to watch it to to see to, to see in my mind. How I think bad I'm it totally is. gonna put this online. This <laughs> okay. is amazing. Oh my god. Well, in in the years since RoboCop has come out, it's developed this weird. It's viewed as almost through this lens of fascism by a lot of by this strong contingent on the left and i don't know after watching the film i really kind of didn't get that sense that it leans one way or or the other it, it walks the line in between both political spectrums like are you saying people now say that it's pro-fascism yeah like because this film covers like grandiose concepts authoritarianism corporate corporatism capitalism it's really heavy-handed on that but it also covers Themes of like human nature, corruption, the humanity, and artificial intelligence. Absolutely, there's a lot of things that ground the film, and so that's why that kind of is mind-boggling to me that people say this is a pro-fat because it feels like with because Brian, his first thing that he texted me after we he watched the film, he said, "I feel like this film goes is walks the line of zero to a hundred, and it, there's no in between." I wasn't talking about that specifically, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took it that way. No, well, no. It, it, and, and it, I was talking to, about the performances. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, because the bosses, the corporate guys, and the villains are so off the wall and overacting yeah, yeah, that yeah. you just, you're like, there's, this is totally, it almost feels parody like. It, then an there's, absurdist piece. Yeah. And then there's grounded moments where he's like stumbling through the house. He's figuring out his memories of who he is. And it really digs deep into that humanity. We're like, oh, my God, this this is pretty good. It, you got me, movie. Well, it paints the villain from the left as like this um, this corporate, cold, greedy businessman who's just in it for the money. And it also paints the villain from the right as the street criminal, the the drug dealer, the 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 mob boss or whatever and it and it puts them in cahoots together mm-hmm. so it 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 really is it splits the difference and it just walks the middle of that political spectrum I didn't really feel like it leaned one way or the other yeah. and it, it's almost like the police force are almost this neutral party who really have no say in what happens in the world because mm-hmm. OCP, they, they, it's almost like they sponsor the police force. They give them their gear. They obviously put RoboCop on the scene with no real oversight police-wise. <laughs> it's just, you know, the corporate the corporate interests control RoboCop and they want him to perform well. Yeah, OCP to me seems like the government contracting. Because, you know, like military, we contract everything, like all the weapons and vehicles, etc. That all comes from private contractors. So to me, I always assumed OCP was just like they provided 
the officers with like the guns, the cars, etc. But yes, I totally agree with you. The cops to me seem like that neutral buffer. Hell, they wanted to strike in the middle of the film. They did strike. They did strike, and we never find out what happens. No, because the film ends abruptly. <laughs> the only thing that was certain is that is that uh, Murphy's at peace. Yeah, but There's... Detroit is still uh, in chaos as in we know it. Muck. <laughs> yeah. It's it's weird because we don't figure out the end game of um, Dick Jones and Boddicker working together. It's no, it's through this project that they're creating with the new Delta City that is like, hey, I'm gonna make money and you're gonna make money and push more drugs. Just assuming that the the trailers they're gonna build for the million jobs are just gonna become dens of prostitution and drugs. Right. Do you, th- <laughs> with all these bad people in this film, do you think there's any good guys? Because RoboCop, as we said, he's supposedly the good guy, but he doesn't follow police procedure. He brutally murders people. He without- shot a guy in the balls. That's right. He literally shot a guy in the balls. Through a woman's dress. Right? Like, whew. There's like no, he's not adhering to any regulations or stipulations. So are there good people in this film? Do well, you think? Well, programmed... Re- morality really morality that's a good question and who's programming your his morality and ethics are dictated by programming not any sort of values that have been passed down to him it's just this is what your programming is so it's he's he's sort of this neutral good not even lawful because the and this is the question i had watching the film is it a, a sci-fi film or is it a crime film it's a good question. The it, second act certainly has those elements where he's exploring his past and his humanity, his wife and son, but we only see those characters through his eyes. We don't see the real world version of them. It's it's almost this romanticized version of his wife and his son. Yeah, they've all gone away. Yeah, they've and then when he down. realizes that Boddicker and his gang are his targets, it stops being a cop movie and it becomes almost this crypto revenge film. Mm-hmm. That's that's cowed in, behind a badge, right? It kind of reminds me of Batman. <laughs> if if Bat, yeah, I Let's get. get to, uh, oh my uh, god, uh, I think it. I think RoboCop is Batman. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is something I would say. No, uh, the, wait a minute, hold up, hold up. The premise of Batman to me has always been somewhat best by this. It's a it's a schizophrenic billionaire beating up the mentally ill. <laughs> Jesus, that's that. I guess that is true. Don't get me wrong, I love Batman, but and the mentally ill, but (laughs) but it's fun to watch. But I mean, if you don't admit that Batman's got problems, you're you're clearly not watching the same thing. Yeah, instead of instead, let's watch an '80s cop drama with a guy wearing a metal suit driving around in a 1986 cop mobile. Nothing's wrong there. Well, and it's he's a billionaire on a budget. Yeah. Well, right. it's Brian, like you were saying, it's it becomes a western. It stops being a sci-fi film and it becomes almost a sci-fi western where he's going to go kill the gang leader who ruined his life and then he's going to go kill the the land baron who's ruining the town. It, and it feels he even has the gun flip like a cowboy would do back in the 50s. Yeah, what was it like TJ Laser? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just one of the worst names for a child's program I've ever heard. <laughs> I wonder if his son actually saw him twirl his gun. I think, yeah, that was where he got his son. Oh, the actor? TJ Laser? Or are we talking RoboCop? Talking about uh, Murphy before he became RoboCop. Yeah, because I think in the movie that's where they said he got the twirl. Well, before Murphy transferred to that rough and tough police precinct, he was in this, you know, quiet zone 
compared to the rest of the city. So I'm, I'm assuming he took his son into the precinct one day to see how, hey, son, do you want to see how a police precinct works? Maybe not, maybe not that one where Lewis is beating up perps. Watch but. me brutally murder someone. There's nothing wrong with that. Talks about a great childhood. I mean, Murphy was rough and tough. I mean, you see him take all those shots before he came RoboCop. I, I, I chalked that up to great body armor. He lost his hand. He got sh shot with a shotgun like 12 times and then <laughs> shot in the head. At yeah. least 12 times. And, and I was just like, dude, he doesn't need to become RoboCop. <laughs> He is. He yeah, he is RoboCop. And they cut that scene too because he gets his hand blown off. And then in the, I watched the um, theatrical one and he just stands up and his whole arm's off. So I guess in the cuts, they like they shoot off his arm, but it was so grotesque. I think, yeah, I think you said the pre production, this film got two X rated. Oh, 11, it received 11 X ratings before they cut it down enough to get an R rating. Yes, and Brian, I think he told me that the news elements that ends up becoming like, I buy that for a dollar, were added just to lighten the film up. Because before, this film, I guess, was this brutal, murderous, grotesque you know, film. The first the second time that I saw this film, I, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, it was like I see the title card, it says RoboCop, and then it cuts to this news segment. And for a second, I, I'm str I was streaming this on my computer, and I thought that was like, oh no, I've been duped. I'm gonna get Rickrolled. But no, no, that's part of the film. And in ways, it's kind of helps cement this world that that we're transferred in. It almost cements it in this uh, this comic book, this ridiculousness. Have you have, have either of you ever read the the Dark Knight Returns yes. comic book? Love so it. throughout Love the it. comic, there's these new segments that are inner that are in between the stories. I mean, a lot of it has to do with Batman, obviously, but most of the times the news stories are so ridiculous. I mean, and this is also too, I mean, this is 1987. So obviously the, the Reagan presidency was still running supreme. The Cold War was kind of waiting. But one of the big things about the Reagan presidency was this whole strategic defense initiative or Star Wars which we see in those news segments in the film, which was just a propaganda program to really bankrupt the Soviet Union. Nothing was ever put into prototype and nothing was launched. Oh, it's crazy. But obviously in this film, it misfires and kills like 10,000 people in California. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and there is a certain comic book quality to the film, not even a superhero comic book, but just regular comic book. I mean, not... I mean, I'm going to say Watchmen, obviously not on the same level as Watchmen, but no. just in that comic book ridiculous style, you write off a ton of the gore and the violence because it is so ridiculous and over the top. It is. The guy's like getting stabbed in the neck and his blood's just shooting out. Like oh, God. That was pretty. Or, or like the guy that drives into the hazmat. And then he becomes, that actually scarred the crap out of me as a kid. Because I watched this when I was like seven. Who let you watch this as a child? It was at my grandma's house. I mean, hey, man. Your grandma sounds awesome. <laughs> she was. And I remember you I- got traumatized from that? I did. He looked disgusting. His fingers are, and now he's like- His fingers are me. melting off and he's looking like the toxic Avenger. He's like, help me. And then he literally just explodes on the car windshield. I think my favorite part of that is that how he's just begging for someone to help him. And everyone's like, oh, get away from me. You it's Germs, man. This film just touches on so many social commentaries where in hindsight, I'm like, oh, this is so woke. This is so great for the times. But I don't know if like the director was trolling us or the screenwriters. Like, No, I, I, I think it is not 
as woke as you think it is because I've heard some kind of like behind the scenes horror stories like the the two cocaine hookers that uh, Bob Morton is hanging out with they were actually referred to as uh, B words on set like uh, like they call them like hey B words get get on you're ready to film like B words uh, yeah the female I'm not dog. gonna say it no no come on we might have kids listening you have kids listening to this show no. <laughs> We don't know. <laughs> Jeremy's son, Cameron, listens to the show. We don't need him repeating anything and then his wife getting upset at us. And then Jeremy can't come around anymore. Oh. Uh. <laughs> That's a shame. Well, and, and the violence in the film is done in this sort of cruel, dispassionate manner that almost makes it reprehensible in yes. a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, these villains aren't any sort of people you sympathize with. But you've, you've got one guy whose sole purpose is to have a Joker laugh and, you know, have a dick joke. Wait, which one? The, um, the black one. The, the black, black guy. guy. It seemed he, like everybody had some sort of Joker laugh. He sounded like the animal from The Return of the Jedi. The <laughs> oh, like, like Jabba's pet? Yes. He sounded like he was auditioning for Jabba's <laughs> pet. That's that's that was exactly that's pretty it. good. That was good. So Thank it makes you. I have a theory degree, by the way. Putting the good use here. Oh, nice. <laughs> Not so for anything else. It makes me wonder with this violence. Do you think crime could ever get this bad in real life again? Yes. Like yeah. Yes. <laughs> what, what what makes you say yes, Brian? Because we live in such a very strange time now. Because yeah, anybody could get a gun. Anybody could hack a car. Like, it, there's so much uncertainty now where violence could just be so over top. Now, by any means, if I... Now, do I think people are going to, like, explode, like, the way that people get shot in this film? Probably not. But I think it will be much more sophisticated. See, I disagree. In the time of safe spaces and where people prefer to go use Tinder rather than talk to someone at a bar to go on a date, I think people... It could be easier to do it in modern times, but we lack the proper motivation to cause the chaos that could happen. The good old days when bartenders were therapists and you could cry into your whiskey and no one judged you. That's right. Now we just stare at our phones. So I feel like it could happen, but it's just... I don't think anyone would notice, to be honest, because we'd be on our phones. Well, we're already seeing a rise in white-collar crime. We've mm -hmm. been seeing it for years. There was just a congressman who recently resigned for misusing campaign funds. That's one example. I mean, we see, I mean, the Bertie Madoff uh, Ponzi scheme is still relevant in people's minds. And we're still feeling the effects of a lot of financial crime and misdoings of the last 20 years. Would you say then, Chris, um, for crime being this bad, instead of it being more the physical explosions, death and all that, it more so it's being more like a white crime, collar crime, like... People breaking the law and, you know, like all the um, hashtag me too things that are going more on. More violent, but not psychologically. It's yeah. more psychologically violent, not physically violent. There is always the mentality behind white collar crime or nonviolent crime that's, you know, like it's there's this misnomer that it's a victimless crime and it's really not. And. There's um there's a great book written by John Douglas, who's a legendary FBI agent and profiler. He wrote a book called Mindhunter. If you know the word, you it's an it's this book was the basis for the show on Netflix. And there's a great portion near the beginning of the book where he busts uh, a gambling ring. So and he's got the bookie, the head bookie in the back of his car, and it happens to be raining 
on the window. And John Douglas just asks this bookie, like, well, why do you do what you do? Why do you always gamble? And the bookie points at the window and these two raindrops, like, see those two raindrops? I'll make a bet with you right now which one reaches the bottom of the window. Huh. It's 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 this weird, it's this mentality that the the white-collar criminals, quote-unquote, have about, well, I'm not hurting anybody, except you may be hurting yourself, you're hurting your family. I mean, would be, are you prepared to deal with the, the consequences when your crimes come to light? So it's not like the physical immediacy, it's more like the long-term ramifications Okay. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's hard to profile and learn, then diagnose and treat yeah. that type of crime because it's built up over decades. Yeah. Like Bernie Madoff didn't accumulate a a billion dollar fortune, quote unquote, overnight. It was built on decades of bad investments by people he conned. Mm-hmm. This kind of reminds me of The Irishman. <laughs> ah! Yeah, Chris doesn't like that film. Disc- I it's poop not th- on you. It's not that I don't like it. I think it's just overrated and it didn't live up to the hype. Come on, it's got El Pacino going. Wah! Wait, no. what? <laughs> <laughs> so my last question is: with this being a sci-fi film with science, do you think this could ever be possible with a RoboCop? In modern times, do you think there's like RoboCops out there, or would we have any technological solutions to crime in the future? Well, you all like we just talked about, crime has to get bad enough to the point where RoboCop becomes necessary. Mm-hmm. Or there has to be some type of extreme measures that are put in place to combat crime of this level. Because what we're seeing in Detroit in RoboCop is crime of literally epic proportions. It's almost warlike. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm surprised the National Guard wasn't called in at any point. <laughs> yeah, where right. was the National Guard? Sitting on their ass. All right, who yeah, Sean, where, where, what were you doing? I don't know. I would have loved to have been out there. But do you think we could technologically make this? Like, do you think we could design a guy in a costume like this? Or a costume in, like, a machine, a cyborg? The level of robotics in this film is incredibly advanced. And that's not something to overlook. Especially the blending of the human mind with a robot body. Yeah, that's got to be nuts. What's the institution out on the East Coast, like Boston Dynamics, that build those robots? You know, I know we see them on videos of like just these little robots with four legs and people just knocking them over and they're hilarious at first. But then you dig a little deeper and you find them like walking around carrying boxes, jumping from crate to crate, just doing regular human stuff. And dare I say, even sex dolls. Those, I know, bear with me here. Those things are so realistic to the point that if you combine the two, maybe it is possible that we could have a RoboCop of some proportion. Mm -hmm. Probably not at this level, at least not for a long time. But if you look at how technology has been vastly developed in the last couple of years, I mean, dude, we're talking about the Razer phone is back and it's a foldable phone. That's nuts. Yeah, exactly. I think with the way it's advancing so quickly that... It's definitely, definitely possible. Okay. I think we should look to current technology as a means to helping combat crime. And in a, in a lot of instances we're seeing in Chicago where gun violence has reached historic proportions, there, there are sound monitors in place to detect gunshots. And with that technology in place, the uh, police officers on patrol can be deployed quicker to those areas. But also, too, I think we should 
they should find a way to incorporate that technology into investigative techniques too, to, in order to clear these cases, enhance uh, some sort of DNA database. Granted, there's a lot of ethical and privacy issues with those that we won't get into today because that's its own quagmire. <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I also think that uh, it could be used to um, like a, like a technology in a James Bond film was um, when he imp- when he uses palm print to imprint on a gun, and I think if something like that were in place in the gun market where only you could use that gun, it would cut down on a lot of legal gun use. Definitely. I mean, and then, this is something that can be addressed in the future. There's n- there's obviously no one clear solution to addressing violence, crime. It, it it's there's no one solution fits all it's it's going to take a lot of work from a lot of different people from all different sides to come together and come to a solution where violence and crime can be manageable on really in any municipality it's just chicago is a city that's near and dear to a lot of us and there there <laughs> yeah. are times when it's just we live right there yeah it's just it's it's sad to see like over a weekend you know 17 people yeah, were right? shot Every freaking holiday, you just know someone's going to get gunned down in their own house. As far as creating a literal RoboCop, though? it's Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Creating... So, in modern times, there is none. They do have, like, in Japan, I believe I read online, they have, like, robots that are actually in jail cells that scan prisoners and monitor their behavior. And if the behavior isn't, like calm neutral as it usually is then it sounds off sirens there's i found this was pretty exciting you know what are those things that fly crap i forget drones drones yes you're in the military drones so japan has drones that catch other drones with a net because they don't want to pollute and shoot them down so yeah but pretty much the technology is limited to basically drones sensors and robots that kind of stop streetlights. We have not added anything yet to like a human body that could be this capacity, but maybe. Well, the Who level knows? of coding that would be required to well, yeah. to create a RoboCop is staggering. It's like we talked about in I Am Mother. It's you, just, it's nuts. You almost have to create a basic artificial intelligence to combine with a robot to therefore become a police officer. Because Police officers have it's it's the toughest job out there. You have Definitely. to make judgment calls in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And for all you know, I mean, you could wind up ending somebody's life or injuring them or losing your own. Exactly. And you have to make those split second decisions and I don't know if a robot is capable of doing that. I think an artificial intelligence would. Yeah, a robot would just be measure escalation of force. Boom. It's either on or off. There is no buffer in between. Kind of like with my red shirt, the guy getting blown away at the freaking (laughs) the overkill. Yeah, right. He just like gets blown away. There is no like off switch. Call an ambulance. There's 18 holes in him. Yeah, God. Like he's already dead. And speaking of red shirts, what was your red shirt, Chris? Um, you know, I have to go with the criminal who was thrown into the freezer during RoboCop's first encounter. <laughs> he just, yeah. The, you mean the guy that kept saying, F me, F me, F me when he shot at him? Yeah. <laughs> that is such a very weird thing to say. I know. When you're in the heat of the moment. Well, it, he chucks him 20 feet into a freezer window. And 
those first. The glass on those windows isn't thin. And head first. Head first. <laughs> Even if he's not dead, he's going to have like serious brain damage. He's going to be eating pudding for a long time. Absolutely. He's going to be saying F me for days to come. Yeah. <laughs> he's just going to have nightmares about being thrown through a convenience store by a, a robot demon. Good God. What about you, Brian? Did you have a red shirt? So kind of, sort of. It's not. It's just like this nitpick thing. At the very end, um, crap, what is... The main bad guy, getting tossed out the window. Dick Jones. Dick Jones, thank you. Uh, I was thinking of the actor's name for some reason, but he's a fantastic actor. Well, the actor's name is Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox, the great Ronnie Cox. Why am I saying like he's dead? He's still alive. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's that's your choice, though. Oh, God. Uh, But no, (laughs) at the very end, when he's thrown out the window, the claymation of him falling out. Oh, yeah. It, like, the claymation in this film is spectacular, except... And if you look very closely as he's falling out the win- window, Ronnie Cox's arms is longer than normal. Yes. Yeah. And it might be a perspective issue or maybe they just rushed it, but it's almost like he's become Stretch Armstrong and he's trying to save himself. Yes. He's like the incredible arm flailing man. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you're setting yourself up for a, a pretty good sequel. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, well, the, well, Die Hard came out the year after this, so they didn't have the uh, quite have the effect yet of dropping somebody off a building. Yeah. Yes. And uh, fun fact, I just there's a thing on Netflix where they talk about it's like the movies of the movies that made us. Yes. Yeah. And they talk about how they dropped him. Oh God, what's his name? Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Late great Alan. No offense, but when they dropped him, he there was like actual tear and fear in his eyes. Like they let him go, and he didn't know like that he was. Yeah, they let him go ground. on one and not three. Yep. And so that's pretty incredible. A true what, professional. Whereas this guy, that was a claymation. It was. Yeah. Huh. Hey, Speaking look. of things that may have bothered us, <laughs> <laughs> I think Brian, you may have. Uh, Listed a Lensler already, but did you have one that's not the claymation instance? Uh, yeah, I know. Um, so, I mean, it's just the one. It's a nitpicky thing that I've noticed. But in the in the scene where RoboCop is helping, um, this uh, the woman who's being uh, attacked by two men, RoboCop shoots the guy right in the crotch, and I forgot. Maybe he scared the other guy off. But the woman comes up to RoboCop, and it's just expressing how grateful she is and then robocop starts mansplaining <laughs> what's going on he's like <laughs> you are under psychological distress we will take you to psychological ward it's interesting how that 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 term has evolved over the years because back then it was just telling a woman what to do and now it's called mansplaining <laughs> i mean i mean good intentions and all but just like whoa hold up hold up I, I understand that. I mean, I took that as more so like um, him just showing like his lack of humanity, you know, because hasn't the, been developed yet. The woman ran up to but him. Still, like, whoo. Yeah, that man, was that this was pretty, guy. Wow. Uh, but I think it's safe to say, at least in my perspective, that he does redeem himself throughout the the film. But in that moment, it's just like, whoa. I mean, in the very next scene, he goes and saves the mayor, so we kind of forget about it. Oh, God, that scene. (laughs) I want a boat and a car, a fast car. And I want some fresh coffee. (laughs) One that gets crappy mileage but looks cool and goes really fast. And cruise control. (laughs) 
Back in the 80s when cruise control was a thing. <laughs> cruise control was new. <laughs> and they see in the car. It's like, whoa. Uh, what about you, Shaw? What, uh, what was your lens flare? <laughs> My lens flare was not knowing whether his partner, Nancy Allen, I forget her name. Ann Lewis is Anne the character. Lewis is name. the character. Whether she dies or not in the film. She saves his ass by blowing up the um, chain, like the crane operator. Yeah, yeah. blows up the gang the member. And, but she gets shot like a bunch of times. So and did she's Murphy, like, and look, he turned out okay. But he was wearing body armor. She wasn't. Well, Murphy was turned into RoboCop. I don't know. Not, I don't think Lewis is going to get no, that treatment. he got shot like 50 times. He lost his arm, and before getting shot in the head, he was okay. He can no longer reproduce. He doesn't need to be RoboCop. He just needs some good old surgery and some Medicare, and he'll be good to go. All right. <laughs> go, back, go back and watch the tape. He's a real trooper. <laughs> but but know, they have the budget to create RoboCop, but they don't have the budget to give him some decent body armor. Like, dude. Man. <laughs> they give him decent body armor once he becomes RoboCop. Not good enough. <laughs> yeah. But you never... But you never know what happens to her. It's kind of ambiguous. But that happens in all of RoboCops. He just shoots people and then walks away. So that kind of bothered me. How about how about you? Well, my there's actually two unresolved plot lines in this film. You picked one with Lewis. Mine was the other one. The police strike remains unsolved. And Brian, you mentioned this earlier. At the end of the film, the rest of the police force is still on strike. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, it, like, okay, like, there's no end credit MCU style clip of showing like, and the police union came to an agreement with the city, and they're back on the job. No, you just get a uh, Murphy uh, being personally fulfilled and cuts the credits. Yeah, we're he so smiles. glad RoboCop got his stuff worked out. Meanwhile, there's gonna be more riots now that the rest of the no, city crime figures is out. Still going through the roof because cops are still on strike. But kudos for you, Murphy. Kudos for you. You know who you are. <laughs> who are you? I'm Murphy. I, I wanted to ask you guys this. What were your thoughts on Murphy slash RoboCop's relationship with Lewis? When they first meet, I mean, we see Lewis is this, you know, she's a badass tough cop who beats up a perp in the, in the precinct. And they're so woke that they have a multi-gendered uh, uh, changing rooms. Well, that's that's Paul Verhoeven's leitmotif, is co-ed showers and, and nudity just everywhere. Because <laughs> oh. he did the exact same thing in Starship Troopers. And Total Recall, too. <laughs> the future. Well, he's Dutch. He's like, nudity isn't a thing over here. We are, <laughs> we are not ashamed of nudity. <laughs> I don't know how he talks. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's how he talks. <laughs> and Deutschland, we do not worry about our private parts. Well, he also yeah. directed uh, God, what was, uh, Showgirls, and there was like boobies every he 30 seconds. He directed Showgirls? He did. What? He directed Showgirls. Eddie Murphy got an Oscar nod in that film. No, that's Dreamgirls, you oh, idiot. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, that's well, why, out. No, that's, no, no. That's why he blew me away. I'm like, this guy, the RoboCop director? No. Jennifer Hudson, Beyonce, <laughs> Showgirls, and with Eddie Murphy? God. No. No, 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 no. Showgirls was this pile of crap movie starring Elizabeth Berkley and Kyle MacLachlan. I don't know why I know this, <laughs> but it's one of the it's one of the worst films ever made. But it's like, infamous it makes, because of the, the grotesque nudity. It's more about boobies than it is about the plot. I want to see him direct Dream Girls and stand over there and sing your blues songs, y'all. That would be amazing. That's just that's just Paul Verhoeven's style. It's just <laughs> boobies everywhere. 
<laughs> we do not need this closing. No. But it, it, we get almost this platonic relationship at first between Lewis and Murphy. Mm. And then he dies, becomes RoboCop. They run into the hallway, and it's almost like she's, you know, it's it was almost got like a robo fetish. A little bit, but I'm glad they didn't dive into that, you know? Because I th- this is just for me personally, but I don't like forced romances in films. And I kind of like how they sort of teased it, but they didn't. But the focus of the story is Murphy's redemption and also the crime in the film. The only way I could best describe it is Rogue One, the Star Wars story, where we don't see the romance between the two characters of Jen and the Cassian. Their romance was teased, but it was never... They never kissed in the film. They never... Uh, the most intimacy that they had was that they hugged while they were about to die on the beach. And in this case, in RoboCop, I guess the most intimate moment you have between Lewis and Murphy was Murphy trying to reprogram his targeting system. It's teased, but it's never hit on. And that is something that I really appreciated. Well, yes, I but agree also, with you. also, if there was romance, it's like, it's like Lewis... This is a guy who who can't find his wife and son, and now you're just messing with him. But uh, but I digress. I agree. I uh, I didn't see it too much as romance. I thought she was just want, wondering what happened to her partner and wanted to get him back because I thought they gelled well as cops. But you know what? If she had a thing for the robo man, you know, that's okay. Bow chicka wow wow to you too, man. We saw that in Solo. So go for it. <laughs> This movie's woke, Chris. <laughs> so on that note, uh, let's see. She's a hero because she restored the humanity in, uh, in RoboCop. Bow chicka wow wow. <laughs> so on that note, let's get into our rating system. So Brian McLeod, do you know our rating system on this show? I'm sure, but why don't you remind the listeners? <laughs> uh, here on the Force Fed Sci-Fi Show, we've got four ratings. The would not watch, would watch, would own or would host the nerdtastic viewing party. So, Brian McLeod, after viewing RoboCop and talking about what would you give it? I would own it. Yeah? Yeah, because the thing is, is that if you take this film on face value, if you've never, if you're not into sci-fi films or action films, you're going to see this as your classic action 80s film. But if you dig a little deeper and start peeling back on some of the layers that this film has, there's quite a lot to take in. Now, I'm just saying I'm owning it because I don't do nerd parties. <laughs> I don't want people at my house. Sorry, guys. Well, maybe you're just ashamed of. But, but also, at the same time, like this is a film that I think I still think it's a great film. Especially look watching rewatching it a couple of days ago, and just really looking forward to the themes in there. And it it is a it is it kind of reminds me of Total Recall in many many aspects because on mm. the surface. It's an action film, but in actuality, it's it's pretty deep. Amen to that. I would own this film, I believe, as well. I would not host the Nerdtastic just because it's... Well, it moves me in a way. I like the elements, but in now finding out that the director was not as woke as we thought, uh, <laughs> that's okay to me. Uh, I did, though, enjoy the criticisms at least the what i took from it was the critiques of the culture and the fact that it goes from a hundred to zero but he finds that balance with the great writing the great pacing direction and inserting the news clips which makes it feel like a comic book film i think this film is to me it's stellar so i definitely 
I would own this film. How about you, Mr. Chris Rupp? Well, I think it's going to be a would own clean sleep uh, across the board. Sweet. Yeah, I think it's easy to criticize this film when you're looking at it through today's lens. And it's more of the product of the time of when it was made. It's it's certainly a microcosm of the 1980s, and it touches on many, many different themes. Um, and it, it doesn't paint anything in a any particular bad light. I mean, it's more of a cautionary tale of the excesses of the, the negative aspects of the film, you know, wealth, greed decadence opulence technology everything like that i i think the the special effects are great with the exception of some of the the stop motion claymation the story is engaging and dick jones <laughs> and uh and it connects a lot of themes and we don't sympathize with the villains but then again we're not really supposed to identify with any of the villains on either side whether they're the corporate villains or the street thugs and that is that's the reason I give for would wanting to own this film. Well, I buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I do, however, think the of the violence would be off-putting for some viewers who are not familiar with it. Yeah, I mean, but if you're not disturbed by watching the violence, I think you're you're not watching the same film because I think the the gore and the violence is meant to be disturbing. Can I just ask one serious question? Who would win in a fight? Would it be RoboCop? Or the Terminator? Ooh. That's a good question. Well, does RoboCop have future weapons, or is he just limited to, like, bullets and stuff? Let's just say that you got Arnie walking down the street in Detroit. Yeah. T-800, flesh and blood with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then he runs into RoboCop, and they get into a duel. They just have guns. Who do you think would win? I'd have to go with the Terminator. Yeah? Yeah. Same here. Yeah, because I mean the term the Terminator is designed to kill. It, it, its sole purpose is to kill its target, and it's going to do whatever it can to do that. Whereas RoboCop, unless he's programmed to do otherwise, he has his four, he has his three directives, or he has a flashback of his family. Yeah, that, or or in, unless he's engaged in direct combat, then you know he's going to go into you know dead or alive mode. <laughs> And try to and take out the Terminator, but I, I I do I would have to give the edge to the Terminator. Same here. Yeah, I'm gonna jump on that boat. The T1 Terminator one, that guy T800, he was nuts, terribly scary. I feel <laughs> like if the RoboCop fell into like the fiery plume, he would just die. Yeah, his face would be all melted and brain. So, yep, that's a sweep, man. <laughs> so with that being said, let's choose our next film with major. Samantha. Yes, we're going to help enlist the help of our friendly random number generator AI major Samantha mm -hmm. to pick from a list of 118 films. And from that list, she has selected <laughs> number 19. It is a film from 1979 in the James Bond series starring Roger Moore. It is Moonraker. Oh my gosh, I've never seen anyone rake leaves on the moon. Stop speaking. <laughs> well, with that being the show, we wanted to thank you, Mr. Brian, for coming on with us. Thank and you, talking. Jalen, for having me. Uh, you got any pluggables to plug, Brian? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Facebook, Twitter, Screw Instagram. Screw you. Guys. You can follow me on Instagram at Brian S. McLeod. I also do uh, a little bit of stand-up comedy around the Chicagoland area, so if you see me, give me a shout-out. I'm also a Chicago actor, and um, 
I guess I could I can promote this because it's going to be released very soon. But there is a web series called Vaguely Haze, so keep your eyes peeled for that. It is not sci-fi, but it's a good uh, up-and-coming teen uh, comedy series where I play a college professor or I get seduced by one of my students. It's a good time. Wow, that sounds all right. Pretty well, crazy. Well, again, Brian McLeod, thank you so much for uh, being on the show with us today. Uh, we'd love to have you back in the future. You had a great time, great conversation. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for having me here in the studio. It's a lovely, <laughs> lovely place. No problem. I well, love the jacuzzi in the background. It's fantastic. <laughs> all yours. Well, as all uh, right. Well, I'm just gonna go ahead. And- <laughs> Well, and if you, y'all enjoyed today's episode, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Forcefed Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you find podcasts. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, forcefedsci-fi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for all of us at the Forcefed Sci-Fi team and Mr. Brian McLeod, we will see you next time. Force-fed sci-fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kesky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.